Everybody out tonight, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, let's start off page eight. Let's all stand. I love the blessed Savior divine. So this pack will find from his side. I'll never depart. I find a way so every Amen. You may be seated, page 46. In this world, I tried most everything. Happy now to say there's nothing like religion in a good old fashioned way. I'm walking in the old time way, and I woke the world. Christian, we 
sing for us?
Before y'all go take up the offering, just a second. Uh, I hardly everybody in the offering, but I asked Marlene if it'd be okay for me tonight. But uh, but anyhow, uh, I may be being sentimental or whatever. But uh, preacher mentioned yesterday was his wife's birthday, and uh, that's also my mom's birthday, and she passed away a few years ago. But uh, I think the offering tonight, if you got anything goes in the ties, just give it to Marlene. But we're going to take the offering, and we're going to give it to the pastor, uh, preacher's wife tonight.
evening, everybody. Good to see y'all back this evening. Uh, just to recap real quickly, uh, July the 20th, uh, we're going to have the ladies' Bible study at 11, uh, 11 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. So if you're part of that, uh, please remember that. Uh, the 22nd, this coming Saturday, we're going to have the Back to School Bash for the Crusaders for Christ. Uh, please uh, get that out of there still for this week. Uh, like I said before, we got about 100 uh, backpacks with some cool school supplies in those. So if you need know somebody who's in need, uh, please mention that as well. I want to give those out. Uh, the 23rd of this month, McKenzie Woods Baby Shower at 4 p.m. And once again, August the 2nd, our officers conference is uh, about going to happen. Um, if there is an uh, uh, office that you hold right now that you want to give up or there, you're looking for an office, uh, please get with uh, Terry and myself, and uh, we'll talk to you about it. Thank you very much. I thought number one, it would surely be me. I thought I could be what I wanted to be. I thought I could build a life seeking sand, but I can't even walk without.
that better? Yes, no, yeah. maybe? Yeah. All right. I got a confession to make. We were uh, sitting there in the room. I had, I had studied or looked over a few things, and I was praying about what to preach tonight. And then uh, before I knew it, all that food that they took me out and got had took effect, and I had, I was out. <laughs> My wife said I was snoring, but I asked her if she recorded it, and she said no. And I said, well, it didn't happen then. So, amen. Tell them, brother. Tell them. So, uh, but then I started looking at my phone. I was like, I better double check tonight and see what time. Uh, and it was 4.32 when I picked up my phone to look and see what time. And then I said, Lord, we got to go. It is 5 o'clock when it starts. And she said, uh-uh. I said, uh-huh. It is. So, but the good thing that come out of this is I got proof that my wife can be ready to walk out the door in 10 minutes. So, so that'll help me on down the road later in time. Um, thank y'all for the lunch today. It was just absolutely wonderful. Had a great time of fellowship. Uh, I mean, it was good to get to know y'all and talk with y'all. I did. I had a, had a real good time this afternoon. And I'm hoping that uh, we have a good service this evening. I hope the Lord shows up tonight. Uh, uses me if he, if he can, if I'll let him, and, and we get something out of this message tonight. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was, I didn't have anything even prepared on the way down here. The Lord had given me that message this morning, the preach this morning, and I did, and I'd been praying about what to preach, and I feel like the Lord has given me a message, and I need y'all's prayer that I do not pre this, this particular passage, I have two sermons that I've like to get to and I pray that I do not preach both of them so for y'all's benefit we'll just if we can we'll have a little bit of a holy mashup tonight so that's what we're going to have uh, go ahead and be turning to Mark chapter number two Mark chapter number two we're going to be in a very familiar passage of scripture um, I mean let me give you some background here this, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, if you go back and you start reading uh, in the first of Mark, you'll hear the call of the four fishermen. You know, you know, walking down the beach, he calls the four fishermen. You get into that and you'll find that. And then the first thing you find is when they're in Capernaum and uh, Jesus cast out a man that is, or cast out devils that had a man possessed. Uh, go on a little bit further and he goes back to, to Peter's house and Peter's mother's sick. We heard that story, or mother-in-law, I'm sorry. His mother-in-law is sick. So Jesus goes in there, heals his mother-in-law. And then he goes on a little bit further in Capernaum and finds out that there is a lot more. We find out there's a lot more that he'd done there. He, he cast out more devils. He healed more of the sick. Uh, all, all kinds of things. Jesus is doing a mighty work right off the bat, right? Right off the bat. And so, so then he goes and he says, you know what? We need to go to Galilee. So he goes to Galilee, does the same there, starts healing people, touching the sick, deaf to hear, the blind to see, just so many different things. There's, there's so many different works and things that are, that are going on. And then he says, I need to go back and come back into Capernaum 
And so he gets back to Capernaum, and that's where we're at right now. He's had, he's had an originating time there in Capernaum. He's gone to Galilee and preached and healed and everything. And it's, now it's time to come back to Capernaum. So that's where we're at in the first of chapter 2. So I'd ask that you stand out of respect to the word today. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. I'm going to read just a little bit here, but I feel like it's going to be pertinent to the message tonight. And it says in verse number one, it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Can I stop right here for just a second? That is a very, very strong verse. Yes, sir. That is a such an overlooked passage. This is one of those messages I'm trying not to preach right now. And it was noised that he was in the house. Do y'all remember a time when this church, and I'm sure it's happened here, it's happened where I live. Do you remember a time where you would get done with Sunday morning service and you would go to the Mexican restaurant or the steakhouse or whatever, and then you would find another church that's a sister church of the area and y'all would get there and you would talk about the service you had Sunday morning. Y'all remember, is, am I the only one that knows about things like that? And... And you would get there and you would, they would have had a great service. And they would talk about the service they had. You would talk about the service you had. There would be souls saved here, souls saved there. And then everybody around in that restaurant couldn't help but hear the noise you were making about Jesus. Folks, it's time we get back to making some noise that he's in the house. I'm here to tell you, folks, we have stood quiet for way too long. Way too long. I, I don't mean to get back on this this morning, but the alphabet people had their whole month last month. They made a lot of noise, didn't they? They made a lot of racket, a lot of impact, and they get a lot of attention about it. But yet here at the church, I'm not talking about Murrayville Baptist Church. I'm talking about the church. We tend to stand still and be quiet. I believe it's high time we get back to making some noise. That's right. We need to get back to making some noise that he is in the house. Verse number two. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. I'm going to say this too right here. Anytime that there's a gathering of some sort of group of people, it's a good thing to be preaching the word, folks. When you get people gathered in a house of the Lord and coming to look for something, it ain't a time to play around. It ain't a time to play games. It's a time to preach the word. That's right. Amen. I, I, I see so many people miss so many opportunities because they'll, hey, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, a singing group can gather a crowd, can they not? That's right. They sure can. They'll, you'll get more people here to hear singers than you'll hear preaching. But I think you ought to use that as a little tool. Get them here and then preach the word to them. Verse number three, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason you these things in your heart? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, Amen. he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth to them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We never saw it on this fashion. I don't even have to preach this scripture. It preaches itself. I mean, these people are, are looking at this man thinking he's nobody. Is this this Jesus they're talking about that does all this and all we've heard is hearsay? All we've heard is possibilities. He may have done this or could have done this. But yet they get here and all he has to say to this man who has obviously came and cannot walk and is paralyzed. All he can say is, thy sins be forgiven thee. They're thinking this man is a fraud. They brought someone to do what we've heard all these stories about. And he can't even do that. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. They didn't even say it out loud. Said it perceived it in their hearts. But I'm so glad that when we come to Jesus in our broke down, miserable, wretched, powerless, crippled state, we always come bringing our list. Right? That, that, was, that was one of the things you talked about this morning. We come to the Lord bringing our list. How about we just bring him our lives instead? Because he knows what's best for us. That's right. This man came wanting to be healed. I'm, I'm sure. I'm positive. Even his friends brought him knowing, hey, this man wants to be healed. But Jesus knew there was something that he needed way more than a healing. He needed his sins forgiven. I'm glad that Jesus saw me one day in my shape where I was crippled and wretched and broken. Knew that there was nothing that I needed worse than salvation from him. And he saw fit to say, hey, thy sins be forgiven me. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to you in prayer this evening, I want to thank you again for another opportunity to stand, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I have, I have in just a short amount of time, I have grown close and, and, and enjoy being around your people, Lord. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll bless this sermon tonight, bless the reading of your word tonight, move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll just pour out a holy unction on me tonight and, and just... Just so I can help someone, Lord. I don't even need to be seen. Lord, if you need to just hide me completely, do that, Lord. I just want you to be seen tonight. Lord, we'll be sure to give you the honor and glory for everything you do. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The title of my sermon tonight is Whatever It Takes. Whatever It Takes. I'm going to give you a little illustration. and It'll tie in real good. You'll think it's silly, but it ties in great. When I was 13 years old, I was real big into BMX bicycles. I mean, huge. And Lord knows kids these days don't even know what a bicycle is because it ain't on an Xbox or something. I, I, I can say that. I got a 13-year-old at home that bicycle sits there and collects dust. But when you were 13 in my day and age, if you had a bicycle, you may as well have had a car, Ron, right? 
you, you had, because that was your mode of transportation. You got everywhere you wanted to go. And when I was 13 years old, there was a bicycle that, how many of y'all remember Saturday morning cartoons? And, and all the commercials that came on during Saturday morning cartoons, they wasn't for mom and dad, were they? They were for you to run to mom and dad and say, hey, I want this, or can I have this? So I was sitting there one Saturday morning watching these commercials, and like I said, I was into bicycles. I love bicycles. And this new Mongoose Expert Pro bicycle came out. I mean, hey, now we ain't talking about the Walmart Mongoose, because back in the day when I was young, Mongoose was, was the Cadillac, folks. It was the top-notch bicycle. If you didn't have a mongoose bicycle, you was not nobody, right? Anybody in here know what I'm talking about, can relate to this? Yep. So when I'm 13, I don't have a job. I, I'm in school, and I wanted that mongoose. I mean, I wanted it bad. So bad, I was willing to do whatever it took to get it. When I was 13 years old, Hey, our grass didn't get over an inch and a half high. <laughs> Did you know why? Because Casey's out there mowing that yard every chance he can, praying for rain in between mowings so he can mow it again because he knows when he gets done mowing the yard, there's a $20 bill coming his way. So at 13 year old, I'm out there mowing the yard trying to do whatever it takes to gather up that money so I can put it back and put it back and put it back. My grandparents had the cleanest cars in the country. And I'm telling you, grandparents pay a whole lot better than mom and dad kids. <laughs> Y'all listening to me? Anytime you want to make some money, go to your grandparents, not mom and dad, mama and papa. And so, so if, I had, if I had to mow yards, I mowed yards. If, if I had to wash cars, I washed cars. I learned how to do laundry when I was 13 years old. I, I had the cleanest room of any 13-year-old boy in my entire school. I didn't care. If, if it would have came to the point of me sacrificing a six-piece nugget and two cheeseburgers with no onions or pickles, I would have done it. Just to try to get some more money to put away. Because it was important to me. It was important to me. I was willing to do whatever it takes. We need to get to that point as a church today, folks, that we are willing to do whatever it takes. We're willing to get back to, to knocking on doors. We're willing to get back to going out and witnessing people. We're willing to get back to handing out tracts. We're willing to get back to talking to people about the Lord and making some noise about just how good our God is to us. Just about how good God can be to them. We need to make some noise and do whatever it takes to get people to God. Because see, we got four men here. They're willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. I mean, this man has no way to get to Jesus, does he? It says he was paralyzed from birth. From birth. And you imagine, you imagine his four friends. This man has laid there in his bed his entire life. And the only thing he knows 
is what these four friends are telling. And one day, Jesus comes back into town. And his friends may have came in the house. I'm not trying to add. Don't, don't ever think I try to add to this word. But there's always some, these things that are happening in the Bible, these aren't the only snapshots of these people's lives. These are actual people who have actually lived a real life. So let your mind's eye be open to that for a second. You imagine the conversation that went on before they decided to take this man to Jesus? Can you, can you just imagine those four men gathered around, having a conversation and saying, Hey, listen, we, we know he's, he's got no chance. That he's, he's in this terrible, horrible state. There's nothing he can do. But there's something we can do. There, there's, there's a way we can make this happen. Because you know all that, them stories of that man that was casting out devils? Healing men in the same shape he's in? Making blind eyes to see? Making the deaf to hear? Well, guess what? We got some good news. He's down the road. He's just down the road. When's the last time you went to somebody and said, hey, you know that life you're living right now? You know the way that your life is going? It seems like every time you get going, you hit a roadblock. Every time you think you're climbing the mountain, you fall to the valley. Guess what? Let me tell you who's just down the road. See, his four friends, they were willing to do whatever it took to get someone to Jesus. When's the last time we have been willing to do whatever it takes to get someone to Jesus. First thing you got to look at about his four friends, they were unashamed. Mm -hmm. Bible says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's a real easy verse to quote, ain't it, folks? It's, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm as flesh as any one of y'all in here. And I'm going to give you personal illustrations. They tell you in seminary, you're not supposed to give personal illustrations. Y'all are in luck. I didn't go to seminary. <laughs> so I was at Walmart one night we had just came from church wife was in the car she can attest to this I've had to repent and everything since then we're at Walmart and this convenience of pick online shopping and picking up your groceries hallelujah Jesus <laughs> I hate shopping I hate going into Walmart and getting groceries but we got done with church I mean, just got done with church. Learning. I, I dare say I was probably preaching somewhere. And we get there. And the young man comes out to, to unload our groceries. And I try to always help and at least do that part. But there was something inside of me. And you know what that was? It was conviction. It was conviction on me. For the Lord telling me, hey, tell him about me. Just, just mention my name to him. We can get back to scripture. Why don't you make some noise right now? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's easy to say. How hard is it to do? I mean, let's be real with this. It's. It's not always the easiest thing to do because a lot of times we have this, the, the old cartoon, the one good angel over here and the bad angel over here. 
And then that little angel, that red demon angel, whatever it is, starts whispering in your ear. These people will think you're a fool. These people will think you're crazy. These people will think you've lost your mind. Because you're going to tell some stranger, someone that you don't know from Adam's house cat, about a man named Jesus that you can't go point to, that you can't show them, and you're going to try to explain all that. That, that. Is that not how the devil works, folks? And then we're real easy to get convinced. I'll just keep my mouth shut. See, his four friends, they were not ashamed, folks. Can you imagine what they had to look like? Carrying this man. It says, born of four. That means one on each corner. Carrying this man down the street. They didn't, they didn't go out to their SUV and set him in the back. They had to tote this man. All the way through the middle of town. Everyone knew where Peter lived. If they didn't know where Peter lived, there wouldn't have been such a crowd there, would there? And they're carrying this man. Do you not think they face the same persecution that you and I would if we decide to tell the bag boy about the Lord? If we decide to tell the gas clerk about the Lord? If we try to tell the waitress about the Lord? Do you not think they got the same crazy-eyed looks? Do you not think that they started getting all kinds of, hey, look at these fools over here. What, what, what are these idiots doing? That, they have got to have lost their mind the same thing you and I will face. How many of y'all ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? It is a very, very good read. Very good read. Because it puts in perspective just how ashamed we are. I mean, you read story, just the story of, of the beloved, John the Beloved alone. John the Beloved was dropped into hot boiling oil because of the stand he took for Christ. Because he wouldn't shut up about it. Now the Lord saved him from that. And you know what he kept doing? He kept preaching the word. That's just one instance. The whole book is full of hundreds and hundreds of instances. And us as the church, we think we're persecuted. When's the last time... If anybody raises their hand in here, I'll never preach this message again. When's the last time any of y'all have ever been slapped or punched in the face for telling someone about Jesus? But yet we're ashamed. But yet we're ashamed. And we're not willing to do whatever it takes to bring people to the Lord. Not only that, these four men, they were unwavering. I love this definition. Continuing in a strong and steady way. They didn't waver one bit. They didn't let the persecution get to them. I like what this verse says in Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. Here's the end of that verse though. But they said... We will not walk therein. See, these men, they were resolute. Just like Jeremiah tells us to do. 
We need to search out the old paths and look at that and realize, hey, that's the way to go. The way that they did it before, that's the way to go. That's the good way. That's what the Bible tells us. All these men of God that have blazed the trail before us, all of them that have preached the word all across this country, seen souls saved, and been in revivals that just start out of nothing in the air but the Holy Spirit. And they'll do this, and they'll go across the country, and they'll have, have all these wonderful works done, and they'll blaze that trail and make it the path that we're supposed to follow and be unwavering. But we don't. It's laid out plain and simple before us. This Bible right here, a lamp under my feet, that, that this is a, it's a very overlooked verse. When I say overlooked, as far as the meaning. A lamp under my feet and a light under my path. That means it's a lamp right here so you can see each individual step that you take. But it's also a light under your path so you'll know just exactly what's coming ahead of you. We need to be unwavering in this right here, folks. The Bible says to go ye into all the world, the highways and the hedges. You don't need to be ashamed of what you're doing for me. You don't need to be wavering on, well, I don't want to go this way because they'll say I'm just a, a, just a diehard fanatical Christian if I do this. No, that's what you need to be. Amen. This man right here that couldn't get himself to Jesus... His very life depended on his four friends getting him there. That's right. Whose life depends on you tonight? Whose life is in your hands whether you decide you want to be unashamed or you want to be unwavering and you just decide, hey, I'm going to carry them to Jesus if I have to drag them down the street myself. We've got to be willing to do Whatever it takes tonight. Whatever it takes tonight. They were unrelenting. Not letting up or weakening in vigor or pace. This Christian walk, it gets a little hard, don't it, folks? The Bible never tells us anywhere that it's going to be easy. It only says it's going to be worth it. We're going to face some, when I say persecution, I mean it in the lightest way. Because like I said, nobody in here has been punched or slapped. We're going to face persecution still though. We face persecution every day on the news media, do we not? But that doesn't mean you've got to stop. But that doesn't mean you've got to quit what you're doing. We, we could get into the whole COVID situation if you wanted to. Because look, I don't care what anybody says. The government tried to shut the church down. Plain and simple. If you don't like my politics, I'm sorry about it. But that's the truth. There is, there is nowhere in your constitution that says that this church has to be ran by the laws of the constitution. The whole separation of church and state isn't to keep the church out of the state. It's to keep the state out of the church. I remember a time when this nation was run off of this right here. This nation was founded off of this right here. And look what we've got to. Folks, we have got to be unrelenting in our call for Christ. 
We have got to be unrelenting to getting people to crawl to Jesus. If we are the ones to let up, to back off the gas, to slow down a little bit, who do you think is going to be the ones to step in? If we don't get people to Jesus, I promise you, you cannot leave it up to somebody else. Everybody in here know how to write your name, right? Everybody in here, let's, let's just say all you, this is easier, left-handed people. I've done this before, so I know you've got to ask the left-handed people first. How many people in here are left-handed? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're all going to heaven. Okay, this makes it real easy now. So everybody in here is right-handed. When you write your name, you sign your name right-handed, correct? And you're good at it too, right? I can write my name with my eyes closed. Can anybody else write their name with their eyes closed? It's real simple. Real simple. But let's just say you decide one day, I ain't going to do it no more. I'm just going to back off the gas with my right hand, and I'm going to start using my left hand. That's what happens when you let up on your job as a Christian. Because God's got something for you to do. God's got a friend that he's got to have you to get them to him. But when you decide, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore, it's like saying, hey, I'm not going to write with my right hand anymore because I'm supposed to be doing that with my right hand. That's my dominant hand. That's the call that is placed on my right hand. Yeah, your left hand can do it, can't it? But it ain't near as good, is it? That's where we're at as Christians, folks. God called each and every one of us. Because there's one man or one woman or one child out there who cannot get themselves to Jesus. Who they are depending on you. Their very life depends on you tonight. Are you willing to do whatever it takes tonight? Not only were they unrelenting. We see in our, in our you read the scripture. I'm not going to go because I'm going to waste time if I do. And I don't want to get too long. Said it was uncommon. Because the Bible even says specifically later on the verse, it says, We have never saw it in this fashion before. Think about that. Jesus himself is standing there preaching to all these people. These four men get there and they can't get in because there's so many people who have heard the noise as made. Well, wouldn't that be a good night to come into church and you can't even get in the front door because of all the noise that was made about Sunday morning service? But yet there's somebody standing outside who's got to get in here. Got to get in here. No matter what it takes. Because their very life depends on it. And in an uncommon fashion, these men say, hey, there's no way we can get in. So they climbed up to the roof. The way these roofs were built, they were wood stabs run across the house and they had thatch roofs, which was just mud and hay and all kinds of stuff packed together to make to some sort of roof. They went up there to the top of this house and started digging through the dirt and the mud and all the garbage that surrounded them. To get this man to Jesus. Sometimes we got to get dirty, folks. Sometimes we got to go through the mud. 
Sometimes we got to move all the trash and garbage out of the way so we can get somebody to Jesus. And when they let him down, they said they've never seen it in this fashion before. Where a man can come and get just exactly what he needs from a man named Jesus. Not only can he be healed of his palsy, but he can be saved from his sins. I'm going to give you one, one more little story here and I'll be done. I don't even know how long I've been. It's probably too long though. You know, it says that we've never seen it in this fashion before. It said it was uncommon. I'm going to tell you an uncommon story. Some of you probably heard it, but I'm going to try my best to give you the good details of it. In 1919, in Lynchburg, Virginia, there was a little boy that was born into a Seventh-day Adventist church. Can I stop right here? Or Seventh-day Adventist family. Can I stop right here and say Baptist ain't the only ones going to heaven? Amen. Amen. Thank you. So he was born into a Seventh-day Adventist family. He grew up, and I'm talking they were devout. I mean, they did everything by the, by the, the letter of the law, you know. They were, they were Seventh-day Adventists to the core. And time grew, grew on, it came, came the 1940s, and we all know what happened in the 1940s, World War II. World War II came about, and this young man decided, you know what, I need to help in this war. I, I, all my friends are going to do whatever they can to fight in this war to fight for this country, I feel like I need to do my part. Now, Seventh-day Adventists, they don't believe in violence. They don't believe in carrying guns. So, so this man enlisted in the army as a conscientious objector. That means that he had to go in there knowing they had to know that he was not going to carry a gun, but he was willing to do whatever it took to get into the army. He was willing to do everything that everybody else did, but he was against his religion to carry a weapon. It was against his religion to be involved in violence. So this young man goes into boot camp and he gets there and he has to do what every other person has to do. He has to clean latrines. He has to do kitchen duty. He has to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go for a five-mile run. He has to do all that. And then when he gets home or gets back to his barracks at night, they said you could always find him kneeling beside his bunk, reading his Bible and praying. Reading his Bible and praying. But then they got to Saturday. This is where it started turning ugly for him. Because, see, on Saturday, that's his Sabbath. He didn't have to do anything on Saturday. So all the rest of the men in his platoon had to be up running, had to be out going through mud, obstacle courses, training, doing everything that they didn't want to be doing right then, while this young man is sitting back in the bunk, reading Scripture and praying. Said it got so bad that he would have boots thrown at him while he would be reading. 
said it got so bad that they would wake him up in the middle of the night just to beat him. They called him all kinds of names. They, they decided that they were going to do whatever it took to get him to drop out. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Because one day, there was a battle in Okinawa. And his battalion got sent there. When they got there, there was a hundred foot cliff with a cargo net that they had to climb up just to get to the top. When they got to the top, all the soldiers were dug into tunnels and what they call uh, foxholes. And they had this underground network where they could go through from one to the next. And so as soon as the American soldiers got to the top of that mountain, they were picking them off one by one. Now, this was a very, very important turning point in the war. I mean, super important. So, so they climbed this cargo net and they got up there. And this young man was in this battalion. They got up there. The battle got just raging and just was going on like no other. And... I mean, people were dying left and right. And they decided to retreat. Said, we're going to have to retreat back down. So they started to go back down. And this young man was left up there. And while he was left up there, all of his other platoon mates were already down the cargo net. And he would hear, Desmond, can you help? And he would go to these Soldiers that were injured and dying. Nobody else up there. Nobody. Just him and the enemy. Does that sound familiar, folks? Just him and the enemy. And he was the only one that could help that soldier that was dying. So he would drag him all the way back to that cargo net. Just with all of his might and all of his power. And he would harness him up to a rope that he had threw over a tree. And he would let that man down. All the way down to the bottom. This went on. He heard another one after he let the first one down. So he went back to help him. Now just imagine. This man was no big man by no means. I think they said he was 145 pounds soaking wet in motor oil. But yet he's got these men that are just dead weight. Having to drag them back. And he was letting them down. One by one. And he was tired. He was wore out. He was beat. But he said after every one of them that he let down. He would pray. And he would say. Lord. If you'll just let me get one more soul. And he would go back. He would go back and he would drag another one. He was doing whatever it took. To save that man's life. Let him down and say that simple prayer again. Lord, if you'll just let me get one more soul. One more soul. 76 times he prayed that prayer. And 76 times the Lord let him get one more soul. I said that because I said it's uncommon. Because Desmond Doss saved 75 lives that day. And out of the 16 
billion total of enlisted soldiers all throughout time, there is 3,526 Medal of Honor recipients. Desmond Doss was one of them. You know why? Because he was willing to do whatever it took just to get one more soul. That person that's at the gas station tonight on your way home. That waitress at the restaurant. That lost loved one that you've been witnessing to for years and you've just about gave up on them. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus? Brother Terry, if you don't mind, come get a song, please. <coughs> Folks, I've already said it once. If we're not willing to get them, we can't leave it up to the left hand to try to get them. Because one day, God in heaven looked down and saw us and our broken, miserable, can't help ourselves state. There is nothing any one of us could do to save ourselves from the state that we were in. Every one of us were doomed and headed for hell until God the Father saw fit to do whatever it took. And doing whatever it took, that meant sending His one and only Son to die the most horrible of deaths what we would be. You think about that for a second. I, I, am, I am not a perfect man. Never have been, never will be until I get to glory. I fail the Lord daily. Daily. But even still, God saw fit to send His Son to die for me. Knowing sent his son to die for each and every one of us. Get this. On a maybe. On a maybe. You say, what does that mean? Hey, not everyone's going to heaven, folks. God still sent his son to die for them anyway. The Bible says so that all might be saved. Yeah. Not some, not Murrayville Baptist Church members, that all might be saved. So he was willing to do whatever it took so that you and I might have the same opportunity as the person at the gas station. The homeless man on the side of the road at Walmart asking for $5. Give him $5 and witness to him. Tell him about the Lord. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. He did whatever it took for us. That means bearing the stripes at the scourging. That meant wearing the crown of thorns. That mean, mean, meant being nailed to an old rugged cross. Because there's nothing we could do. Nothing that we could do. But he can do it all. Just like he did for this man right here in this story. He's the one that saved his soul. He's the one that healed his brokenness. 
Who do you know that needs to be healed of their brokenness? Who do you know that needs to be saved of their sin? As we stand, you're going to sing. I invite you to come and pray tonight if you need to pray.